Welcome to Community Decoded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Expano, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. What's up, what's up, community builders? Thanks again for tuning into the Community Decoded podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. I'm so, actually, recently I started this uh, introspection into myself that I'm getting this opportunity to talk with amazing, amazing community builders. And today, I'm bringing one of the amazings of the amazing, Jillian Betlick. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling, Jillian? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm I'm, uh, I'm excited to chat. I always love doing these. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think I know I feel like I've kind of at this point stalked your LinkedIn profile so much <laughs> that I prepared. I, I'm well prepared. I have like a lot of questions for you, but you're very uh, social, like you share a lot of things. You're very quirky, really, which is uh, which is like an amazing quality. Every community builder should, you know, carry. So uh, I'm stoked. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. But for folks who doesn't know, Jillian, a brief intro. I think so. Let me tell you this. I never saw a community builder having this much of a different spectrum of experience. So Jillian worked, she she works as director of community at Zapier, which that there is no introduction needed for that. She also worked for base systems, which is like a space. Mm-hmm. Yep. Autodesk which is like completely hardware. Segway, my God, that's that's a different thing. You were an intern there, right? So that itself shows shows so much interest, like, you know, it attracts people like me, like with curious minds, like, what is there? How should, did he even pull off such a thing? And for folks who are watching this or for folks who are listening, she has this background with, I don't know, like what, thousand tags? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all of my like, so anytime I've gone to a conference or I volunteer at something or I do a race or I get a medal, it goes on this like door coat rack thing behind me. Um, and what's off screen is there's a bunch of race bibs. Um, and uh, I'm not any good. Um, I'm a, a trail runner and a mountain biker. Um, they're all partic- participation trophies. Um, I've won <laughs> nothing. Um, I've actually been dead last um in a bunch of races which has been pretty pretty exciting um i am doing my first ultra marathon though this uh this october so that's that's very exciting and i I don't care if i'm dead last i'm gonna like walk around with that medal and be like i did it (laughs) well hey you know what everything counts like yes everything adds up but the the reason i want to mention the whole tag thing is because how the hell you had you have time to (laughs) This, to go on these races, conferences, yeah, that, you know, that's part of community building. I agree. But races, my God. And by the way, you're also a dog mom. Yes. That's, yes. And 
I don't know, like, you know, uh, I was, I, I'm starting to get this feeling that you're not human. Uh, probably like you have, uh, you know, something in your blood that, <laughs> that makes you work 24 hours probably. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. And I have a lot to unpack and I'm so kind of already sense that you're so humble the way you're, you know, you're approachable and all that. So right off the bat, let's, let's talk about the, the non-linearity of your community building career, right? Like mm-hmm. talk to me about how you went from being an intern, being, a, being, I think, a community manager at Autodesk mm-hmm. to director of community at Zapier. Like what's the whole journey look like if you want to like, you know, So it's funny when I tell people about it, in my mind, it feels like a giant chaotic squiggle. But the the reality is there's actually kind of a kind of logical story how it all happened. And the funny part is you got to go back really, really far. So I'm 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 a millennial, which means that, you know, right around seventh, eighth grade, the Internet appeared. Um, Mm. And it's important to mention this because I was one of those kids that the moment the Internet appeared, I discovered forums. I, I discovered forums and I loved forums. Um, I was a very introverted, geeky child. Uh, now I'm a very introverted, geeky adult. Um, but way back when, um, I used to hang out on the Lego Mindstorms forums. Um, this was mm. like circa 2000, basically. Um, mm. And I very quickly became a super user um, on, on those communities. And right. soon after that, um, I also, I'm, I'm from a family of engineers. I started getting really active on the Autodesk forum. So here it is. I'm like maybe 14, 15 years old, and I am all over the Autodesk forums. Um, I'm using their products. You know, my dad would give me engineering challenges every week. And I got really good at crashing their products, like really, really good. And so here it is. I'm, geez, I'm in college at this point. I think I was 19 years old, and um, I'd actually made a name for myself at Autodesk. Um, as a user, um, just because I was Hmm. so good at crashing their products and I was super, super active in their beta forums. Um, And eventually, somehow, quite accidentally, I applied for a job and they were like, hey, we know this name. Um, And I ended up starting my career at Autodesk. And I was actually working as a tier three tech support person. Um, And part of that job was to be on the forum, occasionally trying to answer questions. And... Mm -hmm. I wasn't super thrilled with how people weren't getting really fast responses. Responses were kind of like wild, wild west. And I Mm -hmm. made a fuss like any good 19 year old um, who's in college would. Uh, (laughs) And they actually were like, fine, do something about it. And they handed me the keys to the kingdom. I actually became the community manager for the Autodesk forums. Right. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know community management was a thing. I kind of just thought users get together and it settles out. Like that was my perception because I had always been on the super user side. Um, right. And so I dive in headfirst and I learned trial by fire uh, exactly what not to do and what to do. Um, mm. and I really quickly found out that I loved it. And it was really funny cause I was in the midst of going to school for architectural engineering. Um, that's what I ended up getting a degree in. Um, and I ended up swapping my entire focus over to c- community management, um, just because there's a huge analytical research, mathematical side of community management that I love. Mm. Um, it's, it's actually funny. Cause like, I always wanted to be a scientist. Like I wanted to be a scientist or an engineer. 
Um, and community management is kind of like this weird, like human social engineering, psychological physics thing. And it, it just, it works for me. Um, and it's funny because I know a lot of people came into community management, you know, through marketing and communications and I came in through science. Like that's actually how I came in. And so when you look at my resume and where it's gone since then, I've actually stuck with that. And so like when you mentioned about, oh, like you, you know, you, you were at Segway, you were at Autodesk, um, you know, I ended up going on the community roundtable where I did some amazing, cool analytical advocacy um, and consulting work for them. Um, BAE Systems is a defense contractor. They do uh, space and homeland security and all sorts of things yeah. like that, which was just incredible. I got to work on innovation communities um, and mm -hmm. internal communities. Uh, then I went on to Zapier um, because I really loved that SaaS space, the no-code space. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's actually kind of like the past. Like as you look through all of all of my, my jobs, um, I love working in areas that will let me kind of be a scientist um, and anything mm -hmm. where I get to kind of play around with big data and predictive analysis and influence the behavior of large groups of strangers to right. get the behavior that I'm looking for. I love like that. That just totally drives me. That's that's so I, I think that's probably one of the very few nonlinear things <laughs> I've heard like, you know, yeah, and knowingly or unknowingly you just gave us gave me the the perfect title for this episode the mathematical side of community building i yes. really want to unpack that because i think one of the things which i treat myself as a the 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 poor side of my community building which is not considering data right i'm always relying on intuition is it is it like coming from my gut Okay, let's do it. Let's let's mm -hmm. experiment it rather than the way I think probably like I, I want to learn more about looking at the other side. Okay, there is some some numbers talking about some pieces. Let's actually mm -hmm. like stitch together to to build an initiative, right? So before going there, uh, <clears throat> so talk to me about like this the the whole scientist uh, persona, right? Like what is one or couple any common things that you found okay i'm a scientist and you did like sciences mm -hmm. as your you know in your bachelor's yep your major uh what did that what did you carry from from your working with autodesk and those folks mm -hmm. okay this is like a career that i can rely on the skill set of being a scientist or relying on sciences can be also work yeah. really well at community building yeah i think the two big things are first off knowing how to execute a hypothesis so basically being able to come up with a theory being able to identify how you're going to test that theory um, and then being able to also look at the outcome whether it was what you wanted or not and being able to take something from it so um, like one thing i always tell people is there is no such thing as like completely failing you're going to get something out of absolutely everything you do yep. Um, the other part of it, and this is the thing that like, I think is kind of like my, my driver is I think there's this idea that when you're dealing with people, that people are random, people are unpredictable, they're uncontrollable, right. they do right. what they want type of thing. And I'm a big proponent of that. People are very predictable. 
we don't know all of the formulas. Like this isn't like gravity or acceleration mm. or, you know, like a, a suspension bridge, but we are able to look at a group of people and say, if I give them this information and this trigger and this motivation, I think they're going to go do this. And you can test that theory. And what's really cool is that, you know, of the 16 years I've now been working with communities professionally, I've tested those theories. I've had a lot of theories. And what's so cool is that a lot of times there actually is some, some logic to it. Um, mm. And so I, I really love playing with that. Like that's, that's probably like the two biggest things that came over from science is, you know, just that concept of nothing is random. You may not know the formula yet. You may not know the theorem yet. Um, you may not mm. know the element yet, but there's a mm. reason it's behaving the way that it is behaving. It's up to you to come up with a hypothesis to figure out how to actually, you know, figure out the, the, the hard limits of that, the, the logic, the formulas, everything that, 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 that drives it. And what was the first theorem that you proved as a community builder? Yeah, I so the one that's really been driving me for a very long time that I've been having fun with is around super users. So because I started my career as a super user, um, and then I jumped right into you know Autodesk where we had we had a lot of super users. Like I've actually never worked in a community again that had that many super users. Um, is there are certain traits to those individuals, and if you can identify those traits mathematically sooner mm. and you foster those relationships you actually actually accelerate the time to being a super user um the hard part is that not all community platforms actually give you access to the data that you need to run that hypothesis um right but it's been really cool because i've taken that a few other places and i have been able to identify that person right there mathematically is standing out as someone who is a super user um i kind of like to put it in a really mathematical way it's like Let's say, for instance, you line up a bunch of cars at a stoplight and you have someone that's able to accelerate out that stoplight a lot faster. They're going to mm -hmm. get to the finish line a lot faster. And that's kind of how super users are, too. We have people that they hit the ground running and they hit that contributor status a lot faster. They hit that, you know, regular contributor, super user. They hit it a lot faster. And so if you can kind of find those people who are at the stoplight, even in those first few meters, are able to go out faster, um, you're able to foster that relationship, get things out of their way and get them where you need them to go faster. Um, yeah. And what, so <clears throat> that's a fantastic, like, you know, theorem uh, yeah. in your words. What are the parameters of the formula that, that define like, okay, a, a plus B is equal to C. That's like the hypothesis, right? Yep. I want to unpack like, when you define a super user, there are a lot of ways people build like tons of super user programs, HubSpot yep. being like the hub fans, like the yeah. legendary companies doing legendary things around super users. Product Hunt has its own thing. Yep. But in your experience of building super users or defining super users, what is the A and what is the B? And what are you getting out of A plus B? What is the C? Yeah, well, what's actually interesting is that, you know, when I first started my career in community management and someone explained super users to me, um, I remember being a little confused because I was like, well, hold on, but that's not that's not what I was doing. Like, that wasn't what me as a super user was doing, because we tend to have this idea that super users are contributors, they're creators, um, they're people who create things from scratch. And 
that's actually really interesting because a lot of times the people who are the most effective super users in your community are the ones who acknowledge, they recognize, they encourage, um, they collaborate. So they're actually the ones that are replying to things. Um, so that's kind of part of the formula that I've been playing around with is what are actually all the types of super user behaviors, not just mm. one bucket. Because the, the one bucket is, oh, well, who has the right. most posts? Who has the most topics? Um, I look for other things. I look for things like, you know, who's doing a lot of replying, who's doing a lot of creating, who's doing a lot of acknowledging, who's getting a lot of likes. Um, and that's the really complicated formula because that actually depends on the platform you're using now is what you have access to and what you can play with. Um, so I can't really say yet. It's a really simple A plus B. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of pieces. To, it's it's kind of like a giant calculus equation and it really depends on the mm -hmm. platform you're using. Um, and also like another thing to mention is that I tend to work on support communities. Like that's my favorite type of community. A support super user is very different from a community of practice user is very different from a community of innovation user. Um, so again, there's no one singular formula. It really depends on what it is your, your organization um, is looking for. I love what you said about you just differentiated like, you know, how communities are divided, like community of innovation, community of practice, yep. and community of support. Can you talk to me about like all three in your experience? Like, you know, yeah. how do people view about or go about like these three sets or is there more than three sets? That's the first question. Probably. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely more than three sets. I mean, you know, if you think about it, um, like for example, for fun, um, I, I help run uh, the largest women's only mountain biking group on Facebook just for fun. We have 37,000 women internationally in this one big wow. Facebook group. Um, and I, I just, for fun, I help run that. But that's a really good example of kind of like a community of like knowledge, community practice. There's no support element to it. There's no innovation to it. Um, it's literally women coming in and being like, I'm going to Bentonville. Where should I ride? I need a new helmet. What should I buy? Um, you know, just kind of stuff like that. Or people coming in and sharing, you know, their, their races, their scars, you know, all of that fun stuff. It's a very, very interesting group. Um, so that's kind of, you know, like you, you have that element, then, you know, you have the, the, the official communities of practice where people are coming in and talking about, you know, oh, the best ways to be a program manager, the best way to, you know, work in the medical field. They're kind of sharing ideas like that. Uh, community of innovation um, or ideation, depending on how you want to word it, mm -hmm. uh, tends to be, you know, people coming in and collaborating to come up with new and different ways to approach things. Um which is always really exciting. I actually got to work on that at BAE Systems uh, where we had a continuous improvement program um, and like an innovation program that was around like actual like inventions and, and you know, completely mm. new things. Um, and then support communities, uh, which is where I tend to spend most of my time. Um, those ones are interesting because those other two types of communities I mentioned you could be in there every single day, three times a day and have different conversations. Like there's a very low barrier to entry. The trigger to engage with those groups is pretty much just your own interests, your own, you know, desire to learn or to share. But support communities are really different because we actually don't want you in them unless you need something from us or you're helping someone else. 
Um, mm. And that really changes the behavior because a lot of times we see people say, well, why isn't my membership growing in my support community? And it's like, whoa, 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 you actually don't want it to grow. Like, if you get to the point mm. where no one's asking questions and everyone's just benefiting from existing information, that's wonderful. Like, that's great. Um, but it also changes the way that super users behave because a super user in a community of practice is someone who says, oh, yeah, I know plenty about this program or this location or this industry or whatever. Whereas in the support community, it's someone who has the ability to come in and actually provide support or provide best practices or troubleshooting or something like that. And so, again, that's kind of like it changes that formula, that, that theorem gets changed because these are completely different activities and behaviors. And also they tend to attract different people. That's also kind of interesting. Mm. That's very interesting what you said about <clears throat> support groups should not grow. Yeah. <laughs> because naturally as community builders, we want everything to grow. It right. doesn't matter what set it is, what innovation, ideation, who cares? Like we want people, right. more people, more people, more people. So more is like what we crave for. Uh, how do you change that mindset? Like what advice do you give for people to, who are listening? Where to stop? Yep. Where to scale? Especially when when you have a support community, uh, how do you control that? Like that mindset more importantly rather than yeah. the other things, like the tangible things and versus like community of, I would call the mountain bike, I would categorize into community of uh, hobby. Yep. It's it's a shared passion, right? Like yep. rather than practice, practice is like serious, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, where do you put a line? Like, okay. And how do you, how do you, what, what advice do you give for people to go less, think less about support and more about the other things? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's interesting because it's also changing a little bit, like literally right now. Um, I think kind of where I'd start with that is so for support community, I like to, I have like, I don't know, I don't know if I came up with it or if I saw it somewhere. So I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, but I have this this kind of this, this ACE uh, framework that I like to use, which is audience consumption and engagement. And mm. what this basically means is audience, I look at things like unique visitors. I do not measure membership like this is so, you know, like I, every company I've ever worked with, once I got in there and I understood what they're looking for, I always squashed their dreams around measuring membership. I, I always kill it. It's one of the first things I do. Um, right. And it's really funny because it's, it's always one of those things people are like, but members and I'm like, you're running a support community. Like, just no, no. No, no, no. Mm. Like we can measure other ha things having to do with your audience, which is things like unique visitors. We're looking at unique sessions. Um, we can look at the number of weekly active users from your total, you know, SaaS uh, system that are using community or self-serve. Um, but we're not going to look at membership. Membership is not important because a really good support community is usually public. It has incredibly high SEO and people are finding it sometimes intentionally, but most often are not accidentally. They type in a question into Google. One of the first few things that comes up, especially above the fold, is the company community. And they're like, right. oh, that person has the same problem as me. And they read it, they absorb it, they close it out, they go execute it and everything as well, and they don't submit a ticket. That's the perfect behavior. Um, hmm. So that's kind of around audience for me. 
Um, consumption, this is now where we're getting into things like we're looking at page views, we're looking at uh, bounce rate, we're looking at time on site. You know, we're kind of just trying to figure out what are people doing there. And engagement's a little bit different because engagement, this kind of depends on the community and the functionality. Uh, it could be things like how many likes are you receiving? How many kudos? Um, mm. You know, how, and this can be where now you start looking at how many topics are you getting? How many replies are you getting? Um, it really depends on what you're expecting from from the community. Um, mm. But that's kind of where where I hang out is I really try to put those things like the, you know, the ACE framework together and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And if it's outside of that, I call it a secondary metric and I try to take focus off of it. I mean, yes, if you want me to report on membership metrics, I will, but it's not mm. a primary metric for me. You asked that uh, question. <laughs> 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 uh, so let's talk a little bit about supergroup super user uh you know initiatives say i think you talk mostly about in, in this 25 minutes conversation 24 minutes yeah it's all about like forums right like mm-hmm. the support communities being on forums but there are like my god different types of ways now people are building communities people are building communities on slack like yep. tool wise right like the method wise people are building communities in circle which is a hybrid of yep. facebook and slack whatever it is right uh how do people find these super users especially those are not coming from hey i have a problem let me actually google it oh my god i found this incredible set of people who have shared same problem solutions i belong there yep versus yep. i have to sign up i have to introduce myself in intros channel yep i have to like there is a set of things i need to eat, actually do to actually join a community right like so talk to him about like you know the friction of even from a community builder standpoint identifying super groups and the vice versa like super super users identifying incredible communities yeah so a lot of my career has been spent on trying to figure out the user journey figuring out how do they actually behave versus how does the company think they, they, they behave um mm. and what's interesting about this is so like an example i had at one point uh, when i was working at the community roundtable uh, i had an advisory client that i, I loved working with them but they hired me specifically for that client because they weren't getting the behavior they were looking for. They had stood up this community. It was in a financial space. We'll just say that. Um, and the, the plan for the community was they wanted people to come in to the community and talk about how much they loved using the financial product. Hmm. And the financial product had to do with something that no one enjoys. Like very specifically, it was not an enjoyable experience. Like it was not your credit card rewards or anything fun like that. Like it was specifically something that causes adults stress. Um, and so they, they, they had this whole persona thing, how they were going to have, you know, well, Sally, she's a mother of three. She likes knitting. She's going to come in and talk about how this, you know, gave her more time to spend with her kids in knitting. Um, it didn't work, needless to say. Uh, the, the customers came to the community and they were like, yo, there's a community here. Let's use it how we want to use it. 
let's use it in a way that right. we're not getting from the from the company. Um, and it went sideways, it went absolutely sideways. Like it became hostile to just an extent. Like, I mean, I, I've, I can't say I've ne- never seen it happen again. I have seen it, but that one was really, really unique. I mean, they, they were getting actual threats in their community um, because people were so upset about the product and how much stress it was causing them. And so mm-hmm. I came in there because they were like, can you fix this? Like, can, can you make this community not like a hot mess? So I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we had to do that was to figure out the friction points and to actually figure out the alignment. Um, and what was interesting was that you know, they had done the things like the intro and the water cooler and the, the mm. weekly digest and all that stuff. And it was actually making people angry. And so we took that away. We pretty much were like, okay, you can log in these different ways, really simple mm. ways. Um, when you come in here, we have very specific subspaces that are specific mm. to the things that you are asking for with no room for that extra fluff that and drama mm. that, that, that you all brought us. Um, And we pretty much just kept kind of like tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. And what was really cool was that once the community stopped being a really angry, hot mess, the super users were like, oh, hey, we've been here all along. Thank you for cleaning it up. Can we help you now? Um, And that was really cool because because we put the work into giving them what they needed and giving them an environment that they felt safe and supported in. Now they were going to return the favor and give us something. Um, and that was something I've carried the rest of my career is you can't just make super users. What you have to do is figure out their motivations, figure out how to make them feel supported, how to make them feel heard, and then take that information and run with it and build whatever you can, whatever friction points you can erase, whatever you can smooth out for them, do that. But recognize that not all super users are the same. Like that's, that, that was a really mm. important lesson for me. Cause I mean, like when I think about the super users at Autodesk, these people were just like fervent Autodesk lovers. Like, I mean, they, they were, <laughs> they were amazing. Um, but then, you know, at other companies I've worked at, they've been a little bit quieter, you know, sometimes maybe mm. they do work for that company and they also do work for a competitive company. Um, mm. And it's been, it's been interesting just to have to kind of sit back and say, you know, like I see sometimes people put these, you know, top 10 ways to build super users you can't, there is no one yeah. size fits all solution. So mm. I love that. So you kind of also, uh, were part of Autodesk is, I think at that point, so it's already big, right? Yes, and huge. you already have, uh, the, the users are so spread out probably at that time. That's why you were part of that user group. Yep. Okay. I use Autodesk by nature. So talk to me about like, for startups, B2B, B2C, whatever it is, they're just getting started, mm-hmm. right? They're launching their product probably in a month or two. They want to build around yep. that product. Uh, how do they go about this super user program? Because all I hear, even from you and even my experience, super users are these champions. Mm-hmm. If you set up that like in the most right way, you can literally go to sleep. I mean, yeah, it's you true have though, to yeah. do the work. <laughs> For sure, but yep. because they they become your clones, right? Yep. As as part of you, they do the work, they yep. share the work, they spread the word, they help each other, they bring more people, referrals, and all that. So it's a it's a viral effect from there. So for Autodesk type of products, I think it's not that difficult to right. bring super users in 
but for people who are just getting started for founders yep how do they go about uh, building a good super user program uh so first off it's by actually not even thinking about super users for a while um because i think you know it's interesting if i go back to the beginning of my career I didn't know what a super user was. I was just super enthusiastic about this product that I authentically loved and enjoyed using. Um, and I still do actually, like I still do architectural work for fun sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know what that meant. But now, nowadays, if you say to any random person, the word super user, maybe like three out of 10 will be like, oh yeah, I've heard of that before. Mm. I know what that means. Or they're going to think you're talking about an influencer, which is kind of roughly the same thing, but a social media-ish. Um, and the reason I say it's important is people understand the moment you hear the words super user or influencer, we expect something from you. Like this is not a, we just like you relationship. This is a, no, 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 we right. want something back from you. Um, and so my advice yeah. really for these companies is, Start small and build meaningful, authentic relationships with a small group of people. Like literally pick three to five people that are already in your ecosystem. Get to know I them. Like, I mean, like for, for mm -hmm. instance, like an example, um, at Zapier, um, one of my, my, my peers, Liz, she's a relationship queen. I mean, she's, she's wonderful. And I, I had asked her, hey, go work on trying to find some super users. And she found this one gentleman um, out of Egypt and he's amazing. Like he's just incredible. If you look on Zapier community, you'll totally see, see, you know, some common names. And she got to know this guy and like, she knew how many kids he had. She knew the names of his cats. She, she knows, you know, where he likes to go to eat. Like she knows all this information about him because she actually has a, a meaningful, authentic, real relationship. And because of that, he made a relationship with her and that relationship benefited that community. And at any point, if, if he felt like we were asking too much, he was allowed to say, Hey, Liz, like mm. I, I'm going on vacation. I'm, I'm going to be gone for a few weeks, just letting you know. Mm. But then also on the flip side, when there was things where all of a sudden we were like, Oh my gosh, we're overwhelmed. She was able to reach out to him and be like, Hey, we're really overwhelmed with questions right now. Like if you have a spare like half hour, can you just jump in and help us out? Um, mm. I encourage companies build that relationship first. Um, right. And I mean, like seriously, find someone in your organization. This doesn't need to be the community manager, but find someone who's really good with people, not like a creepy right. slick way, but like in a really good, meaningful <laughs> yeah, yeah. way and <laughs> set them to work. Like that person should know right. the names of their pets, should know what food they like should authentically right. like that person. Um, mm. And once you have that small group, it's a lot easier to build off of it because these people become really authentic advocates, not advocates because they're getting something, but advocates because they have friendships, they have relationships. Um, and mm. then you can start building on top of that and adding the less substantial, less meaningful relationships with other people. I think it's, you're describing more of like a, There is, so I'm, I, I come from India, so uh, my mom, uh, she's a housewife, yep. she cooks really well, amazing, you know, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so you're almost describing like my mom bringing her neighbor for a cook party. Right, right. 
and that two people group actually eventually there is this concept i can't explain like in english but yeah. there is this concept like a group of you know housewives when they they mingle like when nobody's there yep once a month and that group literally started like you know hey hey neighbor yep. i made something for myself i have an extra i'm sharing it with you so that that is like a personal like personal personal yeah uh relationship and it's it's almost i never actually see that in tech it's missing it's it's missing it's, and it needs to be there it really desperately needs to be there it's almost feels like hey i'm building this would love you to use it would love to know the feedback cut that's it yeah right like right. probably uh, if you were working on something would love to help you cut that's it there yeah. is no like hey talk to me about your mountain biking experience yeah. let's have like a one on one call purely about that yeah no tech no products no tools i think that cultivation is really important I, i i'm so glad that you mentioned because i think that puts all of us as community builders in the right direction yeah and good relationships fostering those relationships eventually like you know that's a, that's why i think people have to have patience when they're building communities right yes. like it won't happen overnight you're you've been working in this industry for 16 years yeah and you're still caring about where can i find mountain bikers so that itself shows you like okay that's like a true testament right so uh, i'm so glad that you brought that up i i i do crave that as uh, as well uh so let's switch gears a little bit i want to talk about your recent you write a lot on linkedin and one of the articles that you know when i was <laughs> online stalking you was uh, <laughs> the artificial psychology of chat gpt talk to me about the science right like the impact of ai yeah. bringing to the community building folks uh in your opinion what what's your observations like um so it's i think it's interesting because you know you can't you can't log on to twitter or linkedin or anything right now without seeing a 10 best prompts 10 this 10 that or our jobs are going to be taken away whether that whatever and i get a lot of that being clickbait i i know that uh but it's a part of me that kind of just has to sit back and be like okay what's what's the reality here and the reality is is that ai is a really amazing tool that is going to positively impact communities. It's not going to take away communities. Um because what's really really fascinating is so I I did a lot of experimentation on this. A lot of what AI is writing and coming up with comes from communities. I mean, if you ask a question about Zapier, 9 times out of 10 I can literally tell you, yeah, that that came from Zapier community. Like I can almost go find the text for you. Um uh, which is really really interesting. And so I'm not worried about it, which I kind of I it feels kind of funny cuz I know so many people are like, "Oh my gosh, my job is about to go." And it's like, "No, it's not because someone still has to be the cultivator of relationships and someone still has to get people asking and answering questions. All of that still has to happen." Now, hey, someone someone should talk about mountain biking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, seriously, you have to you have to give people an opportunity to ask a question or have a conversation that hasn't been had yet and right. that's what i think community managers are here for like we're always going to be here for that because 
you know, it's funny that my, I had a, a former boss who used to love the video. There's like this video of this festival going on and there's just music playing like rave music and no one's dancing. Up. Yeah. And finally know, this one guy gets out and he's dancing and I'm right. like, that's us. Like we are literally right. the fool who has to get out there and be like, yeah, everyone, like I'm weird. No one could be more weird than me um, because it helps right. kind of make people feel comfortable. Right. And AI can't do that. that. I love that video. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an amazing video. Um, but AI can't do that. Like AI is not uniquely qualified to do that. So we get to be the weird party starters. And then AI gets to uh, let us be more efficient though. Like for instance, you can totally use AI to pull together information. You can totally use AI to help you develop content or to create structure. There's a lot of things that you can do. Now, the one thing that I do think is interesting, and I do think it's going to cause some headaches for people, especially around their metrics, is generative AI is pulling together all of these different resources, right. but not actually sending people to the original resources. And what this means is that, let's say, for instance, you ask a question about mountain biking. Let's just go with that. Like, okay, what 10 products do I need to buy as a new mountain biker? Um Generative AI is like, yeah, no problem. Here's the 10 things you need to buy. It's not going to tell you, oh, hey, yeah, you should go to this forum and check out this post and this blog and check out this post and this article. Like, It's not going to do that for you. And because of that, people are finding the information they're looking for, but you're not getting those audience consumption and engagement views that you used to get. That's something that I think us community managers are going to have to find a way to be okay with because and I actually just mentioned this on a, on a webinar the other week, my objective as a long time, really seasoned community professional is actually not to get those metrics. My job is literally to make sure that people get answers. At the end of the day, that is the, literally the only thing that matters to me as a community professional is, did you get the help and relationships and networking that you needed? If you answer no, I didn't do my job. Um, if generative AI was part of that process and generative AI couldn't find the answer that it needed either, I need to do something better. Like it's still on me to get that information out there somewhere where it can be indexed, it can be found, it can be engaged with. Um, mm. And that's kind of what matters at the end. And how do you think uh, right now the current state of community managers, any community professionals, not community managers especially, or uh, creators who are building communities, how are they taking advantage of the AI that you think is wrong? Like this is how they're supposed to take advantage of. They're doing these prompts, right? By the way, I hate it too. I, I know it's it attracts people because yeah. they're not using, people who are not using ChatGPT, they're like, oh my God, this is going to like, you know, change my life. Yeah. Dude, you're, it's not going to change your life. Yeah. It probably make, you'll say 10 minutes of your time. Yep. But apart from those clickbaity things, how do these people use it? That 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 isn't isn't great. Um, a lot of what I'm seeing that I don't like is around content. Um, because what's really interesting to me, and I've had a few conversations with you know like uh, individuals who are you know they're younger, they're looking to break in community management, and a piece of advice I often give is find your voice and own it. And it does not need to be super professional all the time. Like, yes, I can be professional and cut and dry and all that fun stuff. But the way that I'm talking to you right now, the way that, you know, everyone's going to hear this, this is how I write. 
this is actually how I write my, my blog posts. I mean, you saw my, my stuff on LinkedIn. It's yeah. very casual. <laughs> it's very conversational. Yeah. AI can't do that. AI cannot mimic that voice. And I tried. I actually fed it a bunch of my blog posts and was like, write me a blog post. And it, and it was weird. It was really weird. Um, and I'm worried that communities are going to start losing their individual, their voice and tone, their personalities. I'm afraid that community managers are going to kind of just stop putting the effort in. Um, and I don't think that's good. I mean, it's okay. You want to use it for your knowledge base? Great. You want to use it for your legal docs? Great. You want to use it for something cut and dry? Wonderful. Um, but I think it's still really important. Like when you have a welcome post, an introduction post, something like that, write it. It should be written by you. People want to hear your voice. They want to get to know you. And that's part of that relationship building. Like that's been a really common theme through this conversation is relationships, authentic, meaningful relationships. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think in my opinion, uh, just sharing my two cents, going back to the the, the crazy guy dancing, yeah. you know, that video, AI definitely can do that. Nope. But in my opinion, AI can generate ideas like that. Yeah. Like, hey, do this. Yes. So you ultimately have to do the work, at least uh, us. Basically, it's like you have to kickstart the engine. Yes. AI can... You have to go to zero to 60 yeah. for sure. Yep. 60 to 100 miles per hour. Yeah. AI will take you for sure. Like that's, yep. but zero to 60 is your role. The crazy guy started that. Yep. What else can I do? Like you can feed those ideas and AI can come up with those ideas, but ultimately you have to, you have to be the executor. AI can be the editor, right? Like yeah. In, yeah. in a more content way. Uh, that's yeah i think i feel yeah i i kind of agree with you uh it's not going to steal jobs probably you know we'll be yeah. fine uh, as long as you know people are not aiming to build the next terminator uh, <laughs> we're all we're all safe and yeah let's see how these things go i think everybody's like you know craving about the ai as a matter of fact i'm building like a side project of one of my side projects is is one of part of ai so let's see uh, I want to talk about this. I have to ask this question because uh, some people know this, some people don't. I'm a no-code maker myself. I've built so many projects using no-code tools. I've used Zapier a lot. And I'm very fascinated by the no-code community. There is so much, there still is like a lot of brotherhood. Like there is a lot of camaraderie. Like, okay, mm -hmm. let's actually like lift each other up, right? And Zapier played a massive role. Uh, you know, Zapier, like acquiring MakerPad, you know, Ben Tassel being like, mm -hmm. like face of no code. Uh, now he's face of AI. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, talk to me about like, how did you guys do that? Like, how did you cultivate? It almost feels like you're, you're moving that industry. You're, you're still moving that industry forward, right? What measures you took? And of course, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that community played a massive role. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I think community played a massive role behind the scenes. That's kind of the funny part here is I don't think it was actually as um, front and center as a lot of people would assume it was. Um, but the big thing is, is that, you know, if you kind of go back a little bit and look at where no code started, 
-hmm. there definitely was kind of like this weird even though it's meant to be less technical the people who initially started it were actually very technical and a lot of the communities in the no-code space continue to be very 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 technical like Mm. you know you have to go in there knowing what what you know what no code platforms you can use and how to use those no code platforms and i think what zapier did a lot differently and the community was part of this is we took away that technical barrier to entry it was very much a hey you you run a bakery you run a dog grooming thing oh you're a teacher you're a teaching assistant mm. you can use this th- th- this is for you um, and Zapier community very specifically is not a very, very technical community. Like, um, I, I you know, over, over my, my time in that community, I've ha- I had a lot of people come in and say, hey, I'm a teacher. Uh, and, you know, my, my TAs have got just can't keep up with this or can't keep up with that or whatever. How do I do this? Um, you know, there was one, one right. gentleman who was a wedding photographer. Um, he automated part of his business. Um, I mean, I just think of so many interesting people in that community who, all things considered, probably would have been overwhelmed in traditional no-code communities, but by being kind of the whole, like, no, 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 this is for everyone. Like, literally, we don't care what level you're at. You know, you you can come in here and tell us you don't know how to change the settings in Gmail. We're still going to help you. Um, I think is a big reason why it feels like Zapier had that impact on on the no code community. Um, and I think, I think it's going to be like that for a long time. Like, I really think that there's a lot of elements of making it for everyone. Um, mm. I, I, I think it really, really plays a huge part. Yeah. I, I think I, you are right. You kind of brought a new set of faces and introduce when I say new Zapier introduced to the whole tech yeah right like the bakers you know the mom mom and pop yeah shop exactly. owners like they, they have no idea or like brick and mortar yeah uh you know retail stores they they all kind of know now the power of tech and they played i think zapier opened doors for them which eventually helped them to use other no-code tools like webflow right people right. started building landing pages right and which eventually led to people to like start their content, yep. you know, hubs using MailerLite, MailChimp, which also works yeah. with Zapier. So I think Zapier is a focal point, you know, in that uh, journey, I would say. That's why I'm a big fan of Wade, Wade Foster, you know. Yeah. He's very, you know, tunnel, he has this tunnel vision of bringing everybody yeah. uh, and making them build things, right? Like right. Uh, I when I've built my own Zap, that was like a magical moment because I don't have to do anything, right? Yeah. There is a thrill to to it. Like I feel that gets addicted. Yep. And especially when you're in a when you're a builder, you want you want to build things. Yep. And you have less time. That's that feels like a Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. It's like okay, let's actually do everything. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's. I, I love mean, that. It's funny too because I mean, like even you know, I, I've been I've been using the the the. the product for more than two years now and i mean when i still see that like my my, my zap worked i'm like ooh, mm. like i mean it's it's funny like it shouldn't be exciting anymore to me but i'm still every time like i, I you know like 
I actually use it personally for some of the stuff having to do with training for my races. Um, and so when I see like one of my zaps has worked, I'm just like, Ooh, like, it, and it's such a dumb thing. It's like literally creating an event on my calendar and color coding it. And I'm just, I get thrilled every time I see it, which is just really funny. Um, but it's, it's that confidence inspiring thing because now it's like knowing that I can do that. What else can I do? You know? Mm, yeah. That actually motivates to do more, right? Brings mm-hmm. you more ideas. I think by far the other thing I have to mention, it's not new, right? The, the automation as a as a thing is not new. But I feel, again, going back to bringing everybody into the picture, inviting everybody to the party, yep. it actually opened up, oh, wow, I can automate this. Let me actually do this. And once you guys templated the whole yeah. zaps, that's insane. That went, that I think, <laughs> that went nuts. Everybody's like, okay. Yep, yep. We're having a big, big rave party. Uh, I want to ask you this uh, because I feel a lot, many people, you, you seem to be someone who wants to also talk about the things that didn't work, yeah. right? Like not always talk about like, hey, these are all the accolades and the highs. And oh, yeah. Talk to me about some of the things that absolutely, you know, again, go not failed, but the, the things that you learned most from that didn't work at Zapier, base systems, Autodesk, like your whole yeah. 16 years of career. Yeah, no, um, I, I have, I've done a lot of things that didn't work, um, tons. Uh, and I, you know, I've, I've had a few that definitely kept me up at night and I was like, oh, that was a bad idea. Um, you know, some of them were definitely around people, for instance. So, you know, like for instance, um, moderation has been a really interesting thing for me. Uh, mm. After as much time as I've been in communities, um, I am very much, throw me in the ugliest, most inglorious moderation challenge and and i'm i'm happy um i'm a little messed up i guess because of that um but it's interesting because like you know when i go back to was like beginning of my career i took a lot of things personally um i was very much kind of one of those people that was like oh no people are angry in the community it's my fault or like someone's you know yelling and they're typing in all caps and they're you know hitting the moderation and spam flags constantly like it's my fault and the reality is is that it wasn't, um, and it never was. And it was really interesting to kind of go through that process of figuring mm. out where Jillian, the runner, mountain biker, dog mom, you know, all that starts and ends. And where does Jillian, the community professional, start and end? And being able to mm. actually separate those two people out and be like, nope, that person's angry at Jillian, the community professional, not Jillian, the mountain biker. Um, and I definitely, I mean, I, I remember having some very, very sleepless weeks um, across my oh. career where like, you know, I just, I had some really bad stuff happening with, you know, trolls um, or very, very hostile, angry people. Um, mm. And it was really interesting just trying to learn that, you know, it's, you, you, you have to split yourself up. You literally have to have the community side of you and the personal side of you. You have to protect those two sides at all costs. Um the other... wait, wait, I want to I want to talk about the the mindset, right? Yeah. It's more deeper deeper than just like hey, uh, you know, because yeah. I think there should be. It's it's sort of like a. It should be transformational for you to yeah. even when I say you, but for people who take it personally, yeah. right? I used to also think that way. Uh, one of the experience I had was when I was on a forum. It's a very big. Man, it's a very big forum. Yep. 
some guy actually kind of literally like attacked personally yep. because I shipped like I was actually testing an idea. Yeah. And of course, like there are some set of people who actually supported, hey, leave this guy. He's just doing this. And there is a big figure. I'm not talking about names, but he supported as well. Yeah. But there is this heckler like, so I took it very personally. I was just building a fun little project. Yeah. Just like fun. So I had to go through the same thing. What my God, this is getting out of my hand. Uh, yeah. um, I didn't do anything. I don't, I don't even know this guy. Why yeah. he's like, you know, ruining my day and whatnot. So I have like a method which, uh, but more than, more importantly than that, I want to learn from you how you went from sleepless nights to, you know what, to the hell. I will, yeah. I'm, I'm this person, right? Yeah, I, I, so a big part of that is, so remember at the very beginning of this, I talked about understanding the psychology of people and everyone's mm-hmm. just kind of like a big physics equation. Mm-hmm. It's this, because the reality is that when someone is, is acting that way, it has nothing to do with you. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with you or me, nothing. That person is experiencing some sort of stimuli or trigger or has some very weird motivations and behaviors and they're trying to figure them out. They're trying to get what they need. And if that means fighting with a stranger so that they feel validated or seen or heard, mm-hmm. or they find joy or dopamine out of it, that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But it was never about you as a person, never about you as an individual. And once I figured that out, I was able to really kind of back off and be like, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it's not to say that mm-hmm. I haven't done things wrong, but more more often than not, when you have a troll not coming up. Not to that extent, right? Yeah, not to not, that extent where someone is going out of their way to like hurt you. Right, exactly. And then the second part of that was, you know, and this is kind of, it's funny, like I would never, I would never sit down with any of these trolls and be like, hey, I laughed about you at the end of the day. But the reality is that I did. Um, like something we actually used to do at, at Autodesk was, um, we would actually, on Fridays, we would go through the customer error reports. Um, and in my case, I would go through like the, the spam and everything. And we would all find our favorite comment of the week. And you would literally on Friday afternoons, you would bang on your desk and then you'd stand up on your chair and you would read out the, the <laughs> message. And it was gerbils and hamsters and donkeys and your mother and your grandmother I mean it was it was <laughs> they were not appropriate um HR never should have never found out um but but being able to laugh at that and being able to find mm. some humor in it after the fact really helped it, it, it helps to also have that camaraderie with other community professionals and other support professionals a lot of times your social media whoever is in a similar right. boat to you lean on those people and be like someone just told me that they're <laughs> pissed that I'm in my white ivory castle with a hamster. Like, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> that's just something I got. I was just like, huh? Um, but sit back and laugh at it. It's, it's okay to do that. Right. And once I was able to start doing those two things, the whole, it's not me and it's okay to laugh about it because it actually is ridiculous. Um, I was okay. And that's not to say that I didn't mm. have some situations that were like legit scary. Like I, I did have one mm. troll who, did figure out my home address, did figure out what conference I was at. 
Great. Uh, wow. Yeah, that, that was a whole thing. Like we literally had to get police involved and security involved like that. That Ooh. was a thing. Um, but it was also a learning experience, you know? So, so that's definitely right. a, a big, a big lesson learned. Um, and I, I mean, that, that one really stands out to me. That's something that definitely, you know, when I talk to people, I tend to tell them about that. It's like, if you want to work in community management, you've got to grow a thick skin, but you also have to be able to laugh mm. at mm. unfortunate situations. So yeah, either you have to let go. Yeah. Like it is what it is. Let go. Are you really like, like attracted in a way that yeah. you lighten the whole mood, like by yeah. laughing at it, right? Like you twist the, you know, flip the switch and say, yeah, you know what? It's fine. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's a very positive way of uh, looking at those things instead of like either going through suffering or like the other you know yeah there are different ways but I love that way I pr- I would prefer that way <laughs> like making a big show out of it like every yeah. once in a once in two weeks we make like a who won who will win the baddest yeah. comment from the farm right <laughs> yes exactly exactly and it's funny because it changes your mindset because then when something really bad comes in you're like oh i can't wait to share this like i mean it's funny because i've actually i think it's part of the reason i love working support communities is because i love when those things come in i yeah. love it i love dealing with those because it's such a fun story to tell after the fact and to have that conversation about okay so this week we got this it's like it's right it's twisted but it's it's uh it's fun Awesome. Uh, I know we're we're kind of like uh, nearing the time, but I, I do have like a couple of things I want to touch uh, about. One is, talk to me about, so on your, again, going back to your LinkedIn, there is this poster of yours. Every every article has this, the community nerd. Yeah. So you, you talk about data a lot, right? Yeah. Like, do you have, this most like generic question, right? Do, do you have like any advice for people who are, into data number one the mm-hmm. one set of people who are like you hey use this uh these are the measure measure measurements or metrics that you need to f- observe as a community builder and people who are like me who very little you know have attention to data so what advice do you give for both sets so the people who are really into data um my advice is to think about your audience um that's usually where I tend to find people like myself can go a little bit wrong because we get so deep into the data and we get so just insanely excited about some something. Um, and then we go to explain it to our audience. And a lot of times our audience is an executive or it's a manager or it's the finance department. And they're like, what? Huh? <laughs> and And you've lost your your oomph because you made it too complicated. And so that's probably my, my, my best advice for, for people like myself is it's totally cool to be excited about it. Revel mm. in that. Go find someone else who understands data like you do and, and nerd out about it. But when it comes time to share that information, make sure that you're speaking the language of the person that is going to take in that information. So if it is an executive, make it executive appropriate. Don't walk in to be like, our ratio of this to this to this to this is this point zero 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 whatever. Like don't don't do that. Don't do that. Um, make sure it's in a in a, a voice and a tone um, that they'll understand. Um, and then for people who are not data comfortable, um, my biggest advice is never ever 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 
open up data without having a question. And your mm. question doesn't have to be mathematical. Your question can literally be, um, you know, who are the most active users in the past six months? That's a question. Um, right. What is the most valuable post I have on my community? Those are all fair questions. But if you open up a CSV or an Excel file or whatever it is you use and you're just like, mm. oh, my God, numbers, <laughs> you're going to freak out. You're going to find right. something irrelevant. You're going to focus on that irrelevant thing. And then you're just going to get more overwhelmed. You're going to close out the file and not get anything done. So always, always, always like write down a list of questions, you know, grab a pile of post-it notes, write a question, um, and then think about what variables you would need to answer that question. Don't even think about it from a community perspective. Just literally be like, how could I answer this? Like if I was going to explain this to someone, what would I tell them? Mm, I love that. I I use slightly do that way because I think then I don't get killed by the overwhelming data yeah. I look into. Yes. <laughs> but rather than I rely on my curious side. Okay, you know what? Oh, I found like 30 people being active last week. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Let, let's go a little deeper. Who are active in the morning? Who are active in the right. evening? Or who are active? Okay, a little, little deeper. Who are actually like replying? Yeah. And other people are like sharing, like whatever it is, right? So I think that is a very great approach. I'll double down on that. I I, I wasn't I wasn't sure that it's like the right way, but now that you mentioned, yeah. it's given me like some reassurance. So a couple of more questions. One is about your mind, mountain biking, the Facebook group, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, especially community professionals, they suck up into this... Uh, how do I put this? They lean more towards building a community for a company. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yep. They don't have any business finding, like, generally speaking, I'm not like yeah. judging or anything. Most generally, they, they end up, they end their journey there and that's it. Yeah. And very few people like you, like take David Spinks, like they actually try to build or bring community aspect into their personal lives too, right? Like, so first question, how do we inculcate that mindset so we don't live two different lives? We live like one single life and it'll be very stressless. Number two, for in in especially that mountain biking scenario, how did you grow that big? Like, it's a you said it's a global community, right? What are some uh, tips you can give? Yeah. So for, first off, I, I think it's kind of is, is the why. Um, the reality is that, you know, most of my life I've been focused on building communities for companies, like like you just said. And I was realizing I missed having fun conversations that weren't related to my performance. Um, and I got involved in this group as a user, then as a super user, um, and then the admin of the group. So at this point, the group is probably like, I don't know, seven, 8,000 people. I, I was talking to the admin of the group and I was like, hey, Liz, like, could I help you? Like, this is what I do for work. And she was like, really? Like, you, what? And so she got really excited about it. And so we've been working together now for four years, I think, I think four years. Wow. Um, and it's been, it's just been really cool because for me, I don't make any money off of this. Um, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. get any tangible uh, reward or, or return on this. 
Um, but what it does let me do is it lets me kind of have some fun. Um, I, I get to engage with people in a way that I don't normally get to engage. Um, I get to put up some really goofy posts. I get to kind of come up with some weird strategies. Um, you right. know, like right now, for instance, we're looking at actually doing, um, we're looking at actually moving off of Facebook and onto a community mm-hmm. platform. And so it's been kind of fun to like stretch that part of my brain and be like, okay, how would you move a fun group? Like how, how do you move mm. something like that? You know, we're having conversations about how would we get um, advertisers in that group? You know, it's been, it's been kind of fun just to use that other part of my brain. So my advice, I think, to most people is find something that you're passionate about and mm. go volunteer for it in a way that means something to you. Um, and like, I'm part of a lot of different Facebook groups and a lot of different, you know, communities. Um, but honestly, you know, I have that mountain biking, mountain biking group and another one that I'm part of, and they're the only two that I actually provide something to, um, the rest of them, I'm, I'm just a user, you know, some of them I'm actually just a lurker. Right. Um, but it's, it's just cool to kind of use that other part of my brain. And also, as I said, have something that's not related to my performance, it's not related to my livelihood. Um, it's just something that I, I do for fun and I feel like I'm giving back to the world, which is, right. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it, it is fulfilling. Yeah. Right. Like, so I used to be part of this mastermind group, uh, which I'm now thinking that I should probably like, you know, start another one, especially for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'm really enjoying this podcasting. But I used to have this thing called a maker group where yeah. we used to meet once in a week talk about like geek about products yeah. and that's it like nothing to do with business and all that i feel it and i always by end of the week every friday i used to see like oh wow like the, the week is complete yeah 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 <laughs> before that and i'm talking about now now i slightly feel the week is not complete because i miss those buddies right like yeah. i miss those those people who just we laugh like you know we, we talk about different things. So uh, I love that. Uh, so this this will be my last, trust me. I know that <laughs> so I can good. keep on going. But <laughs> uh, I saw on your bio, on LinkedIn bio, that you always look for challenges. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Jillian? That's a good question. So um, truth be told, and this is going to be fun. So when, when everyone hears this, this change will have already happened is... Um, uh, so I actually left Zapier um, about th- oh. three weeks ago, um, and I'm going to be starting my next community challenge uh, on Monday, June 26. Um, and so awesome. kind of, you know, it's really interesting. I kind of think I should take a moment to explain this because I know right now in the community space, there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of happenings, a lot of stuff going on. Um this was a self-imposed change. So the reality, as you probably can tell from this conversation, um, I love building communities. Like that is my heart song. Like I, I'm a builder. I'm a researcher. I love doing analysis. Um, and the reality is I built up Zapier community to the point where it is ready to fly on its own. Uh, mm. And it was a really interesting realization to come to is that I, I hit that point, you know? Um, and so I started looking for a new challenge um, and I found it. Uh, and so the Zapier community is still alive. It's still well. Uh, there's an amazing team at Zapier that is still running it. They're going to be running it for forever, a long time. They're amazing. 
Um, but for me personally, um, I'm going to be joining Calendly um, starting wow. Monday. Uh, where, yeah, thank you. And so I'm going to be joining community uh, or building community from scratch there. Um, so they have no community program, no community team. Um, I am hire number one. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. As the plan is, it's going to be a support community and eventually probably grow up to a little bit of like an ideation and innovation. Um, and then mm. hopefully to have a community of practice element to it as well. So I'm slightly intimidated to go build from scratch <laughs> once again. Um, but I also am right. super excited because it's what I love to do. That's so awesome and massive, massive congrats. I, I'm I'm sure you, you know, people at Zapier, they're going to miss you for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very excited for your next step. I'm a big fan of Calendly, you know. I was telling uh, to other friend like, the way Tope, the founder, you know, built the whole thing is phenomenal. It, it actually inspired me yep. uh, to become a maker. I think Tope is a non-technical maker. Yep. And he hired a bunch of, you know, developers. He outsourced the code. He built MVP and the launched. And, like, you know, yep. now it's a billion-dollar company. And... I saw Tope talking in one of the events in Atlanta Tech Village. I'm from living from Atlanta here. He's so humble, and I love the guy, and always like a big fan of Calendly. I'm sure I think, you know, Calendly folks are going to love uh, the way you treat things, uh, and I'm excited to see how you come up with. Uh, but yeah, this has been great, Jillian, and big congrats to you, and thank you, and appreciate you for taking time. What a, what a joy to talk to a, you know, a community builder like you. It's always like I, I, I learn a lot and hopefully like, you know, listeners get the, the same gist in implementing their you know, community building journeys. Uh, but any closing thoughts before we close up? Um, I guess I'll say is, you know, for anyone listening, if you have any questions or want to chat, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always, always, always happy to talk, uh, probably slightly too much. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, yeah. So that, that, that's kind of that. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome chatting. It's been, it's been funny because I've, you know, I, I, I took a few weeks off in between jobs. And so this is the first community conversation I've actually had in a few weeks. And it's like, Ooh, like waking up that part of my brain again, um, which is great. Kind of getting me ready to start at Calendly on Monday. So thank you. Very exciting. And I hope, I hope again, all, some of the questions might reignite your uh, you know, community ideas from yeah. this conversation and hopefully that help you you know in the, in the new journey uh, but yeah that's all folks for this episode I'm excited again like you know that's all root for Jillian you know uh, we'll, 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 we'll wish you a best of luck uh, from team Thredo. Uh but yeah that's a wrap folks stay tuned for another episode you know where we're talking to these amazing community builders for you and personally selfishly i do this for myself so that i can learn uh but yeah stay tuned and cheers <laughs>